Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. And every one of us, if we're honest, we struggle with waiting. Does anybody like to wait? Anybody enjoy waiting? I mean, I can remember as a kid, there was no internet, by the way. There were no smartphones. There, there were no order online. There was none of that, Ben. There was the Sears and Roebuck catalog that we would get in the mail around September, I believe, and I would find the toy section and begin to thumb through it, and I never did, Tony, figure out how Santa always knew what to bring me, right? But I would circle what I wanted, and my mom was smart enough to get that for me, I guess, and I could not wait to tear into those packages and see what I had gotten for Christmas. Well, I don't know about you, but the, the, the phrase, if God ain't done working, I ain't done waiting, is a good motto to live your life by. And I have discovered, going back to the song we sang this morning, The Defender, I remember the first time I heard that song, I was at one of the lowest moments of my life. And I wasn't sure that I could handle the pain that I was dealing with uh, in my own life personally. And I remember standing up, turning around, listening to the song, kind of leaning over uh, in my backyard and just beginning to weep and saying, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, uh, but I need you to move. And God said, I need you to wait. And I want you to know that I have learned over the years that waiting on God is not easy, enjoyable, or a fun thing, but there's always purposeful things that come out of it. And I want to encourage you to ask yourself today, what am I waiting on God for? What am I waiting on God for in my life? What am I asking him to do? And today we're going to talk about the promise, the promise of God. And we're going to see this guy named Abraham and this woman named Sarah that God gave them this master promise. And then guess what he did? Made them wait for 25 years. Are you kidding me? 25 years. And the dude was 75 when God gave him the promise. I mean, if God gives you a promise when you're an older person, surely he'll do that sooner. But here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned, Mark. And by the way, today is Mark's birthday. Happy birthday to you, Mark. Isn't it an awesome day? Here's what I've learned, Mark. God loves to waste my time. I mean, God, do you know that you're wasting my time right now by not doing what I've asked you to do? Because what I've asked you to do is a good thing, and I want you to go ahead and do it. And God, why would you waste my time? Why would God tell his people something and then make them wait 25 years? I mean, come on, God, we're not going to be here forever. Let's get on with it. And I want you to understand that this phrase, worth the wait, is 
the phrase we're going to come back to over and over again over the next few weeks. And we're going to discover today that the promise that God has given us, Jesus, is worth the wait. It's worth the wait. It's worth waiting on God to do what God said that he was going to do. I want to invite you today to take your program or your Bible or your internet device, and we're going to look at Genesis 17 through 22. We're also going to jump back to Genesis 15 today. And I want to encourage you this morning in the room online to be a virtual evangelist, to share the service, uh, to invite people to join you. That could be the starting point of them joining you in person in a service. We're going to answer this question today. How do we learn it's worth waiting on the promises of God to be fulfilled in our lives. How do we learn this? How many of us in our lives have said to God, God, do you see? God, do you care? And God, will you do something about what you've promised me that you will do? Look at Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. We're going to start at the end and work our way back to the beginning of this story. Now, after these things, God tested Abraham. And here's what he said to him. Abraham, he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Now on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Did you catch that? The third day. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy are going to go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife, and so they both of them went together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, son. He said, behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar. Oh, my goodness. And Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. Oh, my goodness. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. And seeing you've not withheld your son, your only son from me. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram. It was caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram, offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time and said, by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord. Because you've done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. 
I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have, somebody say it, what? Obeyed my voice. Now, there's no story in the Bible that shows you the symbolism of what God the Father did for us by sending God the Son, Jesus, to die for you and me. 1,762 years, give or take, God gives us a story in the Bible of what he personally is going to do for every human being that is ever going to live upon the face of this earth. And did you know that we are at the 8 billion people mark now? And every person on planet earth, Jesus came to give his life for each and every one of them. Let me make it personal. Every person you know, Jesus came here to die for. And he wants you and I to share the promise of what he's done for us, he can do for them. And so this morning, as we think about the promise, as we wait on the promise to be delivered, the birth of Jesus Christ, we also think about the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made. And so I want to encourage you today to say to yourself, who in my life doesn't know Jesus that I can share and invite and encourage them to come and be a part this holiday season? Now, look at some stats about Abram. Let's go back to the story. Abram grew up in a pagan and idolatrous land. His native city was Ur in Chaldea in the general region of Mesopotamia. He was thought well of in his day. He was a moral man, but that's not why God called him. What we know about Abram's character is that when God spoke to him, what did he do? He listened. And when God spoke, and promised him anything, he believed it. When God commanded, he obeyed. And at the onset of the promise, we celebrate at Christmas. And here I want to point out to you, he was very, very old. Some of us sometimes look at our lives as we get further into our existence and think, well, you know, I've... Um, found a person, I've married, we've been married for decades, we've had our children, we've gone through our vocation. Listen, God doesn't do things in your life the way the world expects you and I to go about it. And I want you to understand that God's calling on your life has nothing to do with your age. It has everything to do with your willingness to listen and obey and do whatever he's telling you to do. And so today in this season of your life, regardless of what age you are, I'm 51 years of age, what is God saying to you? What is God telling you to do? What is he speaking into your life? What is he trying to speak into your life? Now let's go back to the beginning of this story. Genesis 15. And Abraham said, behold, you've given me no offspring. A member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, this man shall not be your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars. If you're able to number them, 
Then he said to him, shall your offspring be? And he, somebody say it, what did he do? He believed the Lord. And he, God, counted it to him as righteousness. I'm going to stop there just a second. Abraham was, you want to take a guess how old Abraham was when God did this in Genesis 15? In Genesis 12, he was 75. In Genesis 15, he was 90. And so guess what's going to happen? It's almost like God comes to Abram in the halftime of these 25 years and said, listen, go look again what I told you, what I promised you 15 years ago. I'm going to do it. Does anybody know how old Vanguard is? 25. 25 years of our existence. I mean, and I just want you to know I've logged every mile with you. <laughs> wow. And God is saying to Abram and Sarah, I have asked you to wait. Now, after 15 years, Kirk, I would say to God, okay, can you give me some hint as to how much longer? Can you give me some insight? And guess what? God doesn't. God does not tell us how long we're going to have to wait for him to fulfill his promise that he has given to our lives. He has asked us to trust him. And if you will trust God in the waiting, he will count it to you as righteousness. As righteousness. So you go, how do I know if I'm a righteous person? Here's how you know. If you're willing to trust God in the waiting. If you're willing to say to God, I trust you in the waiting, no matter how long I must wait. If you're not done working, I'm not done waiting. If you're not done working, God, I'm not done waiting. So what do we know about Sarah? You see this in your program. She took God's promise as a mandate for action. And she took God's plans into her own hands. Can you relate to that? I can. It's okay, Lord, I'm clear on the plan. Lord, if you could just step out of the way, we don't need to wait anymore. I get it. I'm going to do it for you. I've got it. I'll take it from here. And, and yes, I will be the first to admit I relate to Sarah. I've never lacked for confidence. I've never lacked to believe if God said it, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it now. And God says, you're going to wait. And I say, no, I'm going to do it now. And God says, no, you're going to wait. And so what do you do in that push-pull moment? Well, Sarah identified her handmaid, Hagar, and said, Abram, I've got an idea. I've got an idea. You go sleep with her and we'll get our baby. And Abram's like, okay. And so he does, and they do, but here's the problem. God's not okay with it, and after the baby's born, Sarah's not okay with it. It was a bad idea. You ever come up with a, what you thought was a good idea to help God out? And then after you implement your good idea, you discover, that was a bad idea. I've been there. And it's not that you were trying to sin. You were actually trying to obey. You were trying to do what God asked you to do, but you were just helping him along a little bit because you might think, I mean, he's got 8 billion people. Come on, he's a busy God. 
I've got to get after this for God. And so I can relate to Sarah's temptation to force it or to lose hope. And so what did that create? Abram and Sarah entered, in my opinion, and I can't prove this, so this is just my opinion. Abram and Sarah entered the darkest 10 years of their marriage. And there was a brokenness between them because you have to understand Ishmael, who became the father of the Muslim nation, was Abram's son. And how is Abraham not to love his own son? And Sarah wanted nothing to do with him because he was not her son. And the reality is, if Abram had been smart enough, he would have gone back and realized in Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 that God promised that the chosen seed would come through who? Sarah. Sarah. And so Abraham did not lead well. Now, after the drama, look at Genesis 17. God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah, she shall be be her name. I'm going to bless her, and moreover, I'm going to give you a son by her, and I'm going to bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. And Abraham fell on his face and laughed. He fell on his face and laughed. You ever do that with God? You go, yeah, God, I love you, but listen... I'm not believing that crazy stuff anymore. I'm going to continue to be a Christian. I'm going to continue to go to church, but I ain't going to continue to believe that you can do the impossible through my life. No, thank you. That was too painful. I finally got the cookies on the bottom shelf. Let's move on, God. And and so he just laughs. And shall a child be born to a man who's 100 years old? I mean, you, you have anything in your life where you go, you know what, God, no, thank you. Uh, no, that doesn't happen in this world. But Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. You ever try to hold up your life and tell God how he's going to do it? And God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I'm going to establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. I want to tell you a very important thing that I've learned and am learning in my life. You ready? God is not moved by my impatience. I want you to, I want you to, to write that across your soul this holiday season. I want to say it again. God is not moved by your impatience. He's not moved. He is moved with compassion by your faith and your trust and your belief and your love for him and for others. But God is not moved by our impatience. Amen? That is a hard lesson to learn. When you're trying to do good, I mean, you're genuinely trying to do good, and you're like, God, why do you put these roadblocks in the way? Now, look what God commands all males to do in Genesis 17, 24 during Abraham's lifetime. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. Oh, my soul. So here's my question to you. 
Do you trust God enough to inflict yourself with pain if that's what he asks you to do? Are you willing to suffer so his kingdom can advance? Are you willing to suffer in your waiting and in your impatience? Are you willing to say, at 99, I'll do whatever you ask. I'll do whatever you ask. I'll do whatever you ask. So this is who Abraham was. Look at it. When God spoke, he listened. When God promised, he believed. And when God commanded, he obeyed. So Isaac is born. So how do we learn it's worth waiting on the promises of God? Number one, when God speaks, listen. 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 Right before I woke up yesterday, I had a dream. And the dream woke me up. And, you know, we all have crazy dreams where the interstate's running through your living room and, you know, you've got a giraffe and an elephant. And, I mean, we've all had those sorts of dreams. That's not the kind of dream I'm talking about. Like I had a dream and it was very clear to me. It was very specific to me. And so I just got up and I wrote it down. And it's time sensitive, which I find very interesting because you know what the hardest thing is about understanding God's will is his timing. Oh my goodness. Like, like you hear God and, you know, you, you wrestle through the interpretation of what you hear from God. And then once you've wrestled through that, then you wrestle through the timing of God. And, you know, one day is like a thousand years. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I cannot relate to that. Now, I have had some days that felt like a thousand years, okay. But I can't relate to God's perspective on things. And I just want to encourage you. When God speaks, however he does it in your life, and primarily he does it through the word of God, but when God speaks, listen to him. Listen to him. Listen to him. And obey, and that's principle number two, when God promises, believe. When God promises, believe. And so what has he told you that he wants you to believe him with? He wants, he's saying something to you and he wants you to say back to him today, I believe you, Jesus. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And then the third one is when God commands, obey. So what is he saying? What are you believing? And then what are you doing? Can you imagine what it must have felt like to hear God command Abraham to put to death the embodiment of a promise he had made to him. And do you know that in every one of our lives that there will always come that moment when God says to you, I need you to let go of what you love more than me. Do you know what that is in your life? I need you to let go of what you love more than me. See, I've had 30 years of grieving in my life. 
I was driving down the road this week and I just said out loud, and I do sometimes when my grief gets overwhelming, and I just said out loud, I miss you, mama. I wish you were here. I wish you were here. I I wish you were here for this moment. This is a good moment. I wish you were here for this moment. But you're not, and I trust God that he knows what he's doing. I trust God that he knows what he's doing. And see, faith is not this thing that is so impressive that everybody gets to see. Faith is this thing that happens in your car while you're driving down the road, talking out loud to the God of who created you and who created all of creation. And it's that moment, that vulnerable moment in your life when you trust him with your narrative of your story, even if you don't understand it. Even if you don't understand it. Isaac wasn't just a kid. He wasn't just a precocious child with a fresh outlook on life. He was the physical manifestation of the greatness of God, and he was the gateway to the new covenant. See, Isaac was the symbol, the first symbol of the ultimate fulfillment that would come 1,762 years later, and his name is Jesus. And God the Father, for whatever reason, chose Abraham. Remember Abraham? You know, he's going to be the father of many nations, and he doesn't even have a son. Father Abraham has many what? And many sons has Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. We used to sing that uh, as when I was a kid at our church. Look at the comparison here. Isaac carried the wood up the hill. Jesus carried the cross up Golgotha. Pretty cool, huh? See, I want you to understand that God wasn't just asking Abraham to do something. God was asking Abraham to do something that would mirror the next 2,000 years of history and would point to Jesus that when it happened, every Jew could go, ah, and every Gentile could go, ah. When Isaac was spared, there was a ram in the thicket to replace him. When we stand in heaven to give an account for our sin, we can plead the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus, who takes away the sin of the earth. Genesis 22 is a beautiful moment in the narrative of the Bible. It's a flashing neon arrow pointing to the intricate, intentional, and intimate process that God weaved together throughout the Old Testament to redeem humanity from its sin. From the birth of Isaac to the birth of Jesus, the bloodline of the Messiah worked its way through people like you and me, ordinary humans who happened to carry forth the legacy of God's greatest promise. So are you paying attention to what God is speaking to you? Are you believing what he has spoken to you and are you obeying what he's told you to do? Are you intentionally tuning your ear to his voice and are you spending time in his Bible, because, you know, in my devotions this morning, I'm reading through Eugene uh, Peterson's uh, translation, The Message, right now. And in Numbers 14 through 23, that was my devotions this morning, guess what? Balaam's donkey talked to him. Has your donkey ever talked to you? I mean, my donkey's never talked, I've never owned it. Well, I shouldn't say that, I did own a donkey one time. But can you imagine? And when I read it this morning, John, I thought, 
Okay, the donkey talked to Balaam, and this is the part I loved, and Balaam talked back. I mean, that's when you know you're in it to win it, right? You don't stop to go, wait a minute, why is a donkey talking to me? Why is a donkey talking to me? Because, and why did God Almighty decide to have a donkey talk to a pagan prophet, Balaam? Why didn't God just talk to him himself? Because God's ways are not our ways. And I want you to know something about your life. And I don't have to know anything about it to tell you this. God ain't gonna do it the way you want it done. Amen? God is not going to carry out the narrative of your life the way you want it done. And you go, well, that really hacks me off. Well, join the club. So how about the promises of God? Do you believe them? Do you know them? Do you trust them? Fike tells us in this message that there's over 8,000 promises that God has made in your Bible. They apply to believers, rebels, sinners, and saints. And so here's the question. Are you living, waiting on God to fulfill his promise to you? Or are you falling victim to the enemy's lies? He goes before us. He goes before us. What is the thing, and I want you to think about this question. It's a really important question. What is the thing, the event, the moment, the answer, the healing, the relationship restored, the prodigal return that you're waiting for this holiday season? What is it that you're impatient about? You want God to do something and, and he's promised you, but, but you're, you're frustrated 2 Timothy, and you can look at this later if you care to, 2 Timothy 1, 6, and 7, Paul, the apostle, reminds young Timothy, the pastor. He says, remember the gift you received at the laying on of hands that was passed on to you through the faith of your grandma and your mama. Do you know what you're waiting on the Lord for? Do you know what God has spoken over your life that you've been waiting for a decade, two decades, maybe longer? Maybe you're here and maybe you're watching online and you've been waiting and wondering if you should give your life to Jesus Christ. Well, now's the time. Now's the time. Now's the time in which you say, I am done waiting on the promise that he has given me and I'm ready to say yes. I'm ready to say yes. I want to encourage you this holiday season as we enter into Advent. This is going to be a wonderful series. And this series will be worth the wait as we go through each week together. And as we discover what God wants to speak to us. And I just want to encourage you, Vanguard, as we go through this season, 
Let's don't go through it alone. Let's don't isolate. Let's don't tune everybody out. Let's invite others in to experience the love of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice of his son for you and I. Amen? We receive this promise in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have wayward loved ones, friends, family members. We may have just spent a few days with them this past week. We love them, God. We grieve. We sorrow for them. Maybe in our own lives, Lord, we look at promises that you've given us. We're so impatient. God, you're not moved by our impatience. We cannot raise our game to a level that causes you to change the course of what you're doing. But what we can do is humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and you will lift us up in due time. And so we do that today, God. We wait for the promise in great anticipation. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, come on, and all God's children said, Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.